In seventh grade, I transferred from the Woodward Academy North Campus to the more central campus. It was a scary time. I was filled with the fear over potentially losing old friends, as well as some excitement about the idea of making new ones. In the last period of that first day, we were setting up our school-issue iPads. One of my classmates was struggling, and being the godly Christian that I am, <clears throat> I went to help. My offer of assistance was not met with the gratitude I expected, but the rude comment that, Jack, your breath smells awful. I have carried anger at that person for seven years. This is a classmate I rarely talk to and rarely see, yet every time I spot them in the halls, I can't help but imagine delicious revenge scenarios. And then, on Sunday, I walk into church and hear the story of Stephen, who forgave the men who stoned him to death. Standing before you all, I take heart that no matter how poorly my sermon goes, it can't possibly go as badly as poor Stephen's. I assume when he first set out on his holy mission, he was filled with confidence that he would go down as one of the first great Christian preachers. It makes me wonder, would he still have set out on his holy journey had he known his legacy would be that of the first great Christian martyr? In reality, it speaks to his bravery. He knew the potential consequences of his actions. I always assumed that those early Christians were a crazy bunch. They see the literal Son of God murdered for spreading his faith and then proclaim, we got it they then predictably suffer horrific deaths. In some ways, though, I see similarities between myself and Stephen. See, when Stephen was preaching to the Sanhedrin, he began his sermon by insulting them and calling them fools. To Stephen's utter surprise, this did not enamor them to his cause. Similar to Stephen, I too try to convince people to my side through insults and mockery. When the Sanhedrin grew angry at his preaching, they began to stone him and he's filled with a vision of God and Jesus at his side. As the stones hit him, Stephen is filled, is filled with mercy and begs Jesus to forgive his attackers, which we can only assume he does. This is where the similarities between Stephen and myself end. To quote one of my friends, Jack, you are a vengeful son of a... <laughs> in many ways, this holy flaw within me is unfair. The biblical standard of, for forgiveness is quite high so high that I can confidently say I've only met one person who's met it, my lovely father. I cannot say if my father would forgive people who were stoning him to death, mostly because I believe he is smart enough not to get himself into those type of situations. He's li he lives with me and my mother. He has experienced intense settings. Sometimes I am jealous of my father's ability to forgive. I will gladly ruin my day over the teeniest of interruptions. When I was a wee youth, I was playing a basketball game ironically, in a church league. While playing and dominating, I was practically mauled by the opposing player, leading to a turnover. The ref not only did not call a foul on my assaulter, but gave me a technical and forced me to go to the bench for complaining about my brutality. My reaction, instead of calming down, was to run away and abandon the game. I imagine if Stephen had attempted that, he might have gone away, though it depends on how good the Sanhedrin were at throwing. The story of Stephen is something of a strange one. The purpose cannot be to show the level of forgiveness God expects. If so, my dad will be very lonely in heaven, surrounded by all the martyrs. Instead, I seek to show the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the tool of a man too weak to exercise revenge, but one who's so powerful that he can rise above vengeance. 
Stephen failed to convert the Sihuidrin at lard, yet he did reach one man. That man's name was Saul, commonly known as Paul the Apostle. Stephen's sacrifice plagued his mind, so much that when Paul eventually does encounter God, his conversion is much more seamless. Forgiveness is not a tool to enter peace, but a weapon to end hostility. If a person strikes a fellow person, and they do not strike back, with what justification is there a second strike? What right can violence be justified when faced with love? Many mistake forgiveness as a way to skirt justice, but it's anything but. When people speak about forgiveness, they always bring up the nearly unforgivable scenarios. Betrayal, murder, kidnapping, wounds that not only inflict psychological damage, but also physical. Yet forgiveness is not an escape from justice. When Saul travels to Damascus and finally meets the Lord, he realizes his mistake. He realizes that the persecution, the torture, the murder he delivered was unjust and undignified. For three days he sat without water. He sat without water or drink, literally blinded by remorse, wallowing in self-ruin. It was only by forgiveness. Forgiveness from Jesus, forgiveness from the disciples, forgiveness from Aeneas, the man he went to persecute, that Saul regained the desire to drink and eat. Saul is a story of forgiveness the power of it. It's very unlikely that the classmate who so graciously had his opinion on my breath be known was the next great Christian theologian. But he could have been a friend. Maybe there were times in my life when his counsel would have been valuable to me, times when I needed him. Maybe there were times when he needed me. The unfortunate part about graduating high school is I lose that opportunity. I'll never know. One of the last and most important tangents of forgiveness, one that people often forget, is forgiving yourself. It seems like most people are separated into two camps. Those who self-criticize and critique an unhealthy amount, and those incapable of any self-assessment. When God tells us to forgive, he does not just mean to forgive others. We also must learn to forgive ourselves for our perceived and real shortcomings. Throughout my life, I've spent an unhealthy amount of time thinking about my mistakes, focusing on them, punishing myself. There have been times when I've have stayed up late at night focusing on one mistake I made throughout the day, pinpointing on it and hating myself for it. I, and we as a society, must first learn to forgive ourselves before we can start using the power of forgiveness on others. Amen.